The following podcast is a recreation of recordings from Universe 619. All words, titles, and information are authentic and unedited. As this universe has no bearing on yours, you are welcome to enjoy this as a work of fiction. For any questions relating to the multiverse, your place in it, or the crushing depression of knowing there are other versions of you in other universes currently living a better and more fulfilling life than you, contact multiversal consultant, archivist, and author Lancelot Castle. You can find him and more information at thenashamaseries.tumblr.com. Hi, my name is Ari Kravitz. Welcome back to Afterlife, and happy Valentine's Day. I think, if my maths are correct, that this is unlucky episode 13. Wait, I got turned. The world's vampires, windows, gardens, fate, Halloween, Dodo missing, failing to learn magic, the support group, avoiding problems, my history, the letters. Fuck! I think that makes this 14. Oh, come on. I was so looking forward to doing a spooky episode 13. <sighs> well, at least I can just focus on Valentine's Day then. I've got to say, I sort of have mixed feelings about Valentine's Day. On the one hand, it's technically a Christian thing, but on the other hand, I'm a hopeless romantic, a fool, and a sucker for love, so happy Valentine's Day. I obviously don't really have a romantic partner to celebrate it with, but, oh, this was so sweet. All my friends decided to spend Valentine's Day with Amrita and I. They said they didn't want me to be alone on my first Valentine's Day, and well, bet. Not that they celebrate that here. I mean, some people do, but it's not a huge thing. But since at least half of us are human, or were human at least, we decided to celebrate together. It was genuinely really sweet. I cried when they told me, like the emotional sap that I am. Mem and Julia had cancelled their holiday, and Daoud and Mitchell had decided not to go out. It was really sweet of all of them. Honestly, the whole day was just really nice and heartwarming. Friendship truly is a beautiful form of love. I wouldn't say it's more important than romantic love, because a healthy romantic relationship can be just as important to someone as their friendships, but I think they're on par. I think all healthy love is equally important. Anyway, I want to tell you all about Valentine's Day, because I feel like we all need a nice dose of love and happiness between everything that's been going on. It might be boring to some of you, and it's just going to be full of cute little stories of loving friendship, but hey, it's my recordings. I get to choose what goes into them. And today, I'm choosing love, kindness, and happiness. I don't always get that luxury, but today I do, so I'm taking it. So Amrita and I tend to both be early risers. Dode sleeps in a lot, and Mem and Julia wake up early but have to tend to their garden for most of the mornings. And Mitchell doesn't stay with us always, so he was only supposed to come around breakfast time. So Amrita and I decided to do a bit of cooking together. Make everyone breakfast, bake a few heart cookies, you know, cute stuff. It was really nice. 
we spent the whole time talking about food and our families. She told me all about the foods she used to eat with her family and how she still makes it quite often. I'd seen her making it, but I'd never really thought to ask. She said she learned how to cook from her mother. They used to spend the mornings of their days off cooking in the kitchen together, making big meals for the whole family to sit down and share. I told her all about cooking things like Shabbos dinner and Pesach seders with my parents. Once everything was cooking, I went up to shower and get dressed. Just because my body isn't alive doesn't mean I don't need to shower. Apparently that's a common misconception. But anyway, I took a shower, and when I stepped out, there were little hearts drawn in the fog on the mirror. I would have been freaked out, but it's been happening since I saw the eyes. Little notes or doodles on the mirror after showers. Sometimes they remind me to take my meds, sometimes it's a cute animal. This time it was hearts. So I went to my room, and on my bed was a little red box. I opened it up and inside was a small ceramic cat that looked just like Glida, with a small heart under one of its paws. I looked all around, but there didn't seem to be a note attached to it. I figured whoever had given it to me would mention it, so I just put the ceramic on the dresser and went downstairs for breakfast. I have to say, this whole not eating thing sucks. I know I said it was fine because of the curse and whatever, but seeing and smelling all the nice foods we made, ugh, I wanted to eat so badly. But it was still nice just sitting around with everyone while they ate. Adam had even decided to take the day off and it was eating with us. Apparently it just chooses to eat bugs, but it can eat anything. I only know that because it ate an entire plate of the cookies we'd baked on its own. Anyway, no one brought up the gift at breakfast, so I decided to just ask about it. None of them seemed to have any information, but... Oh, hello, Glida. Amrita suggested that I might have some kind of secret admirer. I don't want to get your hopes up, whoever's listening. We never did find out who the secret admirer was. Or is, I suppose. They're still out there somewhere, secretly admiring me as far as I know. Or perhaps in the past day, their affections have waned, who knows. But throughout the day, I did get more little gifts. I think my favourite was right before bed. There was a lovely warm cup of rose tea by my bed. That one was interesting because it was in a very fancy looking teacup with uh, light blue flowers on it and silver trimming. Light blue and silver are my favourite colours. It's not one that Amrita has in her house. I asked everyone about it, and no one knew where it came from, so I suppose I'm keeping it. But that was a really sweet, thoughtful gift. I always enjoy a cup of herbal tea before bed because it helps me sleep. <sighs> anyway, sorry, I'm oh, I'm a hopeless romantic. And the whole secret admirer thing is just... Wow. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I love it so much. It's odd, though. If it's no one in the house, then I don't know who it could be. I mean, maybe one of them just isn't telling me that it's them. But they wouldn't do that, I don't think. But I can't think of who else knows me. Perhaps someone from group therapy? But I don't really know any of them that well, and none of them should know where I live. I guess it could be the Walkers, but given their most recent efforts of wooing me... 
I don't think this is really their style. But it's so sweet that, honestly, I don't really care who it is. I just wish I could let them know that I appreciate it. Anyway, after breakfast, we decided to play a round of charades. Apparently, it's one of Emery's favorite games. Which is funny, because she is absolutely dreadful at it. But she has so much fun guessing, and it's really nice to see her enjoying herself so much. Turns out Adam is very good at charades, though. It didn't understand the game at first, but once Mem explained the game, it took to it wonderfully. Mitchell was also quite good. He can be very dramatic when he wants to. Dode didn't get a lot of them, because he didn't actually know the things we were supposed to be guessing. But Mem and Julia were also quite good, especially at guessing what each other were miming. I was also pretty bad at it, but I had plenty of fun. Then we all piled into the kitchen to make lunch together. Well, Adam and I kind of stayed out of the way while everyone else cooked. Mitchell and Daoud had a little friendly competition over who could chop vegetables faster, and then ended up feeding most of them to each other instead of putting them in the food. Mo and Julia kept everyone on task and kept the stove going, and I'm ready to put everything together. I had a nice little conversation with Adam too. We talked about the differences between nature in this world and Wild Olive. It was especially interested in the concept of waterfalls. I never really considered the fact that Adam hasn't actually seen anywhere outside of Amrita's house. But I happily explained as much as I could to it of Wild Olive and what I've seen of Wild Bet. In some ways, I feel like Adam and I are in similar situations. Both of us are sort of stuck in this house. I think it felt that kinship too. Well, it's not that Adam isn't allowed to leave. We can both go at any time. And it plans to go exploring once the threat of the walkers is gone. But for now, it wants to stay and protect the house. Anyway, after lunch, I decided to give Gleedal the gifts I'd gotten for her. She already had the basics she needed. A food bowl, a water bowl, a litter tray and the likes. But I got her this nice big scratching post tree sort of thing that she could climb and sleep on the different levels. I got her one of those little cat hammocks and put it under my chair in the dining room so she could sit with me when I'm in there. The others pitched in and bought her some toys as well. As much as she's my cat, she's taken to all of us really well. The others adore her and she loves attention. Turns out she has quite the personality. Her favourite thing to do, as of late, is grab people's hands when she wants to be pet. She just wraps both paws around your arm and pulls it towards her until you pet her. She's also a bit of a toe biter. Well, she doesn't bite so much as nibble. She doesn't hurt anyone yet. I even got some little cat nail clippers to keep her nails trimmed short. I have to trim them pretty often, but I don't mind. She's worth all the effort. She definitely likes living with us. Amrit has given her full reign of the house, and we even started harness training her so we can bring her outside without risking her ruining the native wildlife. She's not a huge fan of the harness yet, but she also hasn't expressed much interest in going outside. She does love looking out the window at everything though, and everyone spoils her rotten, so she's very happy to be in the house. I think Adam might love her more than anyone else. I caught it sneaking her some bugs under the table. Turns out, she has a taste for moths. 
And whenever it's nice and warm from being in the sun all day, she likes to curl up in its lap for cuddles. Mitchell also likes her quite a lot. He tied a toy to the back of his chair so she can chase it around whenever he moves. And Julia and Mem said they'd like to plant some catmint in their garden for her. So I get why she loves living here so much. You know, thinking about it, I'm a bit like a cat now. Not, not in like a furry way. I mean, maybe I'm a furry. I don't really know. I do think fursonas are cute. But anyway, I mean more the way I'm living now. It's like a cat. I'm living rent-free in someone else's house with everything I need to survive and all I really give them in return is attention and companionship. It's nice. I like this arrangement. Though now I'm seriously considering napping in a sun patch. That would be nice. Or maybe Glido would nap with me. But I should probably finish this recording first. I still haven't told you all about the rest of Valentine's Day. I think I made it up to lunch? Well, after lunch we sat out in the garden and played a few card games. I'd love to pretend we were playing some weird world bet card games that I didn't know and that's why I lost every game, but we were mostly playing things like Go Fish. I've never been too good at cards, but I was particularly off my game yesterday. Not that I mind too much, I'm not a very competitive person, and I was having more fun chatting with everyone than actually playing. It, uh, it turns out my characterization of Mitchell as some kind of tech genius was a tad misguided. As we were talking, I mentioned being impressed with how good Mitchell was with technology, and everyone kind of laughed at me. Not in a mean way, just in the way you laugh at your friend who just admitted that they thought rhododendron was a type of medicine. And they explained to me that while he knows plenty about electrician stuff, his knowledge of technology was pretty much limited to what he could find on the internet. But hey, he still knows more than I do. After we decided we were done with cards, we went into Mem and Julia's garden for a while. Mem taught us all how to weave flowers together. Adam adorned itself in some beautiful daisy chains, Mitchell made a little crown for Daoud, and Amrita and I tried to tuck as many flowers into her feathers as physically possible. We'd lost count after a while, but she looked like her own little garden by the time we'd gotten tired. We ordered in food for dinner and ate out in the garden watching the sunset. It was a bit strange to me. It was February, but the weather was so nice. Apparently because this world is geographically so different from World Aleph, the weather is different in various places too. Phaeton and the surrounding area happen to be very mild for just about the whole year. I can't say I'm too upset by it. I don't miss the constant cold drizzle of winter back home. Once I'd realised that the weather was different in World Bet, it kind of opened up a whole bunch of other questions. They all very patiently tried to answer them for me, though a lot of them were things I would have to ask experts to get proper answers for. I asked about what would happen if an astronaut tried to go between worlds while in space, but no one really knew for sure. But they did tell me that the planets and stars and whatnot were in the same places as World Aleph, but were slightly different in size and geography, just like Earth. We had a lengthy discussion about what all of this means for the infinite multiverse theory. I... 
I'll be honest, my grasp of that theory is amateur at best, but I get the basic premise. And I wondered what there being different worlds meant for that. Whether they were parallel universes that just didn't have an overlap of people, or whether it was all part of one universe. None of us could really come up with a satisfactory answer for that. We ended up moving into the library to consult Amrita's books, and Mitchell was on the internet trying to see what he could find, and what he could understand of what he found. I also asked about the spirit world, and what is actually known about it. Turns out most of what we think is true is kind of unverifiable. It's the most sensible explanation given the evidence we have. The ritual to turn people into vampires seems to both make them disappear from reflections and images, and turns them into poltergeists when they die, and ghosts can be gotten rid of by helping them move on somehow, but like a lot of science, our understanding of it can change at any moment. Just like our understanding of the two worlds and how they work. It was oddly comforting to learn about all this uncertainty. I feel like so much of the time we're looking for absolute truths in our lives. It consumes so much of our waking time trying to figure out what is objectively good and bad, what we should be doing, why we're here, all these things that we want concrete answers to. Being reminded that it's futile to search for them is a bit of a comfort. Knowing that all we can do is our best, that all we can ever really act on is what we currently think to be true. Do I know for sure that I'll be a vampire forever? No. But with the information I have, it's the most likely assumption. And that's really all I can go by. And that's okay. It's okay to not know everything. I don't need to know everything. And hey, it's fun to sit around with your friends and theorize about things. We started off with the intention of truly understanding it, but we ended up mostly coming up with wackier and wackier conspiracy theories and whatnot. I've felt pretty out of place since I got here. Everyone's been really welcoming, but I never really felt like more than a temporary thing. But yesterday... Yesterday it really felt like home. They're my friends. I don't really know when it happened, but... I really do genuinely consider them friends. The same way I did with my friends back home. More like a second family than friends, really. I trust them with my life. And not just because I kind of have no choice. I think I'm really coming to terms with my life here. Knowing I may never go back to my family and everything, it's hard, but therapy and having such a good support system have really helped. I don't think I'll ever stop missing them, and I don't think I'd ever give up the opportunity to go back and see them, but I no longer feel that deep pit in my stomach when I think about them all. I, I guess in a way, it's like they all died and I lived. I grieved for them, and I know I'll probably never see them again. But time makes things easier, 
I can think about them without crying. I can talk about them. The others are always asking me about my childhood when I can stand to talk about it. I think they see it as a sign that I'm doing better. Amrita, Adam, and Mitchell are especially interested, though, because they don't really know much about childhood in World Olive. Daoud's childhood was much stranger than most, and Mem and Julia are American, so their experiences were quite different from mine as well. Not to mention my family life. It makes for some pretty good stories. So I guess, all in all, it was a pretty great Valentine's Day. In fact, I'd say it was the best one I've ever had. I really do love them all. Amrita, Mem, Julia, Daoud, Mitchell, Adam, Glida, of course. And it was nice to celebrate that together. I'm really looking forward to spending each day with them all. Oh, and next week we're going to Phaeton Pride, so that'll probably be most of the next recording. I guess it's about time for me to wrap up. Sorry for all the Glida sounds in the background, she's been a bit rowdy today. But here's today's advice. When you're trying to chop up onions really small, the fastest and most efficient way to do it is keeping the root intact while you chop and then removing it when you're done. That way it doesn't fall apart when you start cutting. Also, running each half and the knife under cold water before you chop will stop you from crying.